Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646 716 4972. Now, here's your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. Hope you survived the Thanksgiving feast. I was just talking about family dynamics and uh, so fortunate to have a great family and very blessed by it. I have a new son-in-law and I was just so excited about that and spending some time with him again. It's fun. Hope you had a great time with your family wherever you are at. You know how many Zoom meetings were going on on Thanksgiving? We had two back-to-back Zoom meetings with family. It's great that they took off some of the restrictions on whether you have a license or not. You got the paid version or not, but they gave everyone all all this abundance of time. So it was really good. We got to see family and talk and but it's I'm finding the importance of having an agenda. Well for these meetings they're staring after ten minutes going, so we haven't talked in a while. Let's do and it was just awkward and then realizing how important preparation is. How do you deal with the pandemic? How do you deal with Thanksgiving? But it was a good holiday and I hope you had a great one. Again, this is Monday, November 30th. I hope this podcast has been a blessing to you. We enjoy bringing it to you. Again, it's created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals. Again, our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format. Today's hot topic, we have Cindy Danko. Cindy is the Vice President and Credit Risk Policy for Fannie Mae's Single Family Risk Management Team. And we're talking about Fannie Mae's response to the COVID-19 pandemic, especially in the area of servicing. She's got one of the most impressive backgrounds there at Fannie Mae, and you're really going to enjoy this interview, so be sure to stay tuned all the way to the Hot Topic segment after we get done with the industry update. I want to say a special thank you to the folks at Industry Syndicate. We're proud to be a part of the syndicate. They do a great job with us. And also, thank you to all of our sponsors, the MBA, Mortgage Bankers Association of America. We had Marina Walsh on on September 14th, talking about the cost originations. Be sure to check that out. Also, when you're in the website, go sign up for the Mortgage Action Alliance, download it on your app to have your voice heard in Washington, D.C., and you do not have to be a member of the MBA, although you should be. Also, a special thank you to Finastra, one of our longstanding partners and sponsors for years. They have their Fusion Mortgage Bot Solution, experiencing the power of fully integrated approach to mortgage lending that simplifies the borrowing experience and streamlines the process. Listen to August 24th, Steve Hope was on as our guest. Also, Lenders One, we had Justin Demolia on as a guest. Real pleased to be a part of the Lenders One, as well as the Mortgage Collaborative. Both these co-ops bring you competitive advantages, as well as CMLA. We had Michael Jones on on September 21st. Listen to that podcast. Also, Indicom. So thrilled to have the partnership with Indicom. They do a great job with their technology and their mortgage expertise. Indicom provides automation, outsourcing, and compliance solutions to the mortgage industry. Be sure to check out that podcast on August 31st. Love the folks at Indicom. Alice's old employer, and they're doing so much with their technology. Check it out. Accelerate, which helps lenders close more loans, radically changing the lender's communication process. We had Josh Friend on on August 17th. Listen to that podcast. And then also AI Assist, and it's an artificial intelligence that helps you reach borrowers. Got to start using more in AI. It's going to be the competitive advantage to make a big difference. And we need to get them on and do another podcast with them. Get our Roman Benfield on. Great company, and what they're doing is amazing. Also, Celebrity Home Loans. They're growing again through acquisition. Check them out. As well as Inovia and Ted Kramer and that team, they do an amazing job of optimizing your mortgage executions. We're going to have Ted on in an upcoming podcast. Also, Mobility RE and Modex are the two that help you recruit. Uh, Knowledge Scoop is a learning management 
Management System. Say thank you to all of our sponsors, especially to Alice, Alan, and Matt for their contributions each and every week. Let's get over to this week's macro view of the markets with Les Parker. Les? TM Spotlight Soundbite is brought to you by PowerSeller, making hedging easy. Un- unconventionally, U.S. will grow unconventionally. The crashing U.S. dollar lifts commodities and sends rates higher. Despite worries about the U.S. election fraud, stocks and bonds anticipate divided U.S. government, a return to Obama's slow growth, and capitulation to China. The global bond bears see mountains of debt, unconventional recovery, and uneven inflation. Under COVID-19's influence, subsets of GDP and CPI clusters in ways never seen, which creates disparate impact on people and places. The U.S. will grow unconventionally. These views are my own. Want more? Go to tmspotlight.com. Yeah, when you're there, be sure to sign up for Les's newsletter, and you can get it free if you put in power for Power Seller. Very good. Matt Graham's here with us to give us an update on what's actually happening real-time in the markets. Gosh, Matt, looking at this. This is very good. The UMBS, nice. Looking real pretty. Yeah, it's nice to see UMBS 1.5 coupons firing on all cylinders, as much as they have anyway. Good stuff. And as always, though, the underlying guidance going to come from the broader bond market. There's a lot of disconnection, of course, between how treasuries are moving. And that's been good. That's been disconnection in our favor uh, almost exclusively. And that is payback for treasuries sticking it to the mortgage market back in March. Interesting for the bond market, as can always be the case on Thanksgiving weeks. You never really know what to expect. And even if something interesting happens or it looks like it's happening, you never really know if it's going to stick around in the following weeks. Fortunately, last week was pretty boring. You could have read it either way. Things were a little bit weaker to start. There was a little bit of concern as to whether that might be a reversal of a friendly trend that we had over the previous two weeks. But really, that friendly trend in itself was a reversal from a negative bound mm-hmm. caused by Pfizer's vaccine news. I don't know if you remember, Dave, that was that Monday where yields shot up just extraordinarily in one day, right after that Pfizer vaccine was announced. Put a line in the sand saying, okay, this is how much bonds are going to sell off when they're as afraid as they're going to be of vaccines. And uh, everything since then has been calming down. We even had Moderna vaccine news come out in several installments, and we did not see bonds react in nearly as negative a way. And that actually kicked off trading this week as well with their final trial results looking still just as good as when they first started talking about the stuff, but more on that in a second. So last week, really uneventful from an economic data standpoint, we did have a markets version of PMI, but the important PMIs are coming up this week. Inflation stayed steady, 1.4 on core PCE. Fed meeting minutes, those were fairly interesting. The Fed cannot stop talking about how they're going to adjust their bond buying plan. And it has markets in the frenzy and frenzy is a relative term, not a real frenzy, but the bond aficionados yeah. are wondering, is the Fed going to update its weighted average maturities in this upcoming meeting? And the Fed hasn't really given a clear indication of that. And just to rewind and talk about what we're actually talking about here, weighted average maturity, it just refers to the balance of the bonds that the Fed holds. So they could 
could spend however many billions of dollars a month and just buy two-year treasuries or shorter. That's only going to give them two years of duration exposure. And it's only going to mean that the Fed is soaking up that inventory for those two years. But if they bought 10, 20, 30-year bonds, now they are soaking up a lot more bond buying demand for a longer period of time, or they're holding that money, carrying that capital. So if they redo that balance and say they're going to buy more longer term debt, that is generally considered to be beneficial for rate. The average bond market participant thinks that's probably coming, but it's not much better than 50-50 right now. If Congress were to come together and put some fiscal package on the table before the middle of December, then you would probably see the Fed maybe hold off and see what the fiscal impact would be. But if the economic data is weak between now and then, and there's no fiscal stimulus, then it is a higher probability that the Fed will do at least something, if not simply say, hey guys, you can count on us doing this weighted average maturity adjustment in the next meeting. So they'll probably try to get some mileage out of verbiage if they can which they always do. If you had to pick, is the Fed erring on the side of being friendly or unfriendly? They're definitely erring on the side of being friendly. So nobody's really ruling out that that could come. As far as the data that could factor into that decision, this week is an important one because as is the case for any first week of the month, we have a concentration of important economic data. Some of it already came out this morning with Chicago PMI 58.2 versus 59. That's weaker than expected, but it's still expansionary. So indicating growth. Similar story if the rest of the week's data comes in as expected. ISM manufacturing tomorrow, big report, forecast at 58 versus 59.3 previously. So that would be growth, but it would be less than last time. ADP employment is calling for an uptick in job creation to 410,000 from 365. But contrast that to NFP, non-farm payrolls, calling for a bit of a drop from 638 to 500. Now that's really material because economists are still feeling out where the labor market situation is going to level off once we've had time to see what the post-vaccine economy looks like. And you can always tune in every first Friday of the month. MBS Live is always a buzz in the live chat as we're trying to take last minute betting odds on where NFP will come in. And you can see it pop in real time and see markets react in real time if they're going to. And as always, the Lickin listeners can get a double time free trial with no credit card requirement by using LOL when they go to mbslive.net and create a trial account. Yeah, good job. Also looking today, the pending home sales numbers came out. This one is projected to be negative 2.2, came in at negative 1.1. So half of the negativity is there. So I guess that's a good thing. When that stuff comes out weaker than expected, then the headlines focus on home sales dropping or being weaker than expected. And people who know me know I'm the very last person that's going to be a cheerleader for the real estate industry just because my clients are massive stakeholders in it. I I like to tell it like it is. And that is still a freaking outstanding pending home sales number. It's a little bit less than it was last time, but last time was the highest in 14 years. So yeah, a little bit of shine has come off it, but it's still very shiny. I think we're going to see a real strong purchase market and the purchase MBA's purchase index again, 314.6. So anyway, a lot of good stuff on here. Matt, thank you so much for being here each and every week. MBSlive.net. Check it out.
Gallus, who is the CMB Vice President of Education and Training at Union Home Mortgage, with this week's legislative update. Things were a little quiet last week, but what did come out actually is related to banks. I know we have a lot of lender listeners, but I think we do got a lot of bank folks out there too. And one of the interesting things that came out was this uh, notice of proposed rulemaking by the OCC. So for those of you who aren't familiar, the OCC regulates all our national banks and really anybody who's like a savings associations, they're technically like an independent part of the treasury. So with this proposed rule, comment period is open until January 4th. And with the title, Fair Access to Financial Services, a lot of folks are thinking, we already have fair lending. We already have the Equal Credit Opportunity Act. What could possibly still be the need to have another layer of fair lending? And so I, I wanted to read about this because take it a little bit deeper to understand for the larger banks, there's a commercial side to this that I think does impact all of us. And really what they're looking for in this proposed rule, it actually is a piece of Dodd-Frank. So 10 years later, still trying to get the whole thing put together. And the OCC actually came out and gave some examples in this of where a bank has had a policy for an entire particular financial service provider, for example. They may say in 2014, there were banks refusing to provide financial services to an entire category of money services businesses, which would be the type of check cashing places that you might find more in an inner city and therefore hurting inner city lending as a whole. Now, the rule is not saying we have to lend or that they have to provide funds for companies who don't qualify. Obviously, the company has to be sound, but it's the concept that you can't discount an entire category in a particular region. They will be required under this proposed rule to look at each individual entity and determine on its own merit if it is eligible or not eligible. It was interesting as far as the regional impact that this can have. They gave several examples of cases of where larger banks were excluding certain types of foreign financial institutions and not looking at individual cases. So we'll watch this because I think it's interesting to hopefully wrap up Dodd-Frank, but also just the impact to the markets and see how the banks react to it. And then last but not least, Dave, uh, I hope everybody saw the increase in our loan amounts that we will get starting soon here. I'm sure a lot of companies are going to implement that here for applications coming up because its impact affects loans once they're delivered to Fannie and Freddie. So a lot of companies are going to allow taking applications and closing them early who have the ability to deal direct with the agencies. Or if you're a correspondent, you have an investor who will let you deliver them before the end of the year. Great new loan amounts. Nice big increase this year. Yeah, nice big, big increase. Yeah. It's going to help volumes overall and it's going to help support home appreciation we've had. So we keep them in the conforming space and not into the jumbo space. Alice, good job. Are there any major changes with Fannie and Freddie that you've noticed? Is one of the questions that came in, they had heard that there were some things coming down. I think the biggest thing right now that most lenders are dealing with is just the change with the self-employed borrowers and changing from the two-month bank statement to the three-month bank statement analysis. We talked a little bit about that last week. That goes into effect December 14th. And I think, especially on the origination side, trying to communicate to borrowers effectively, here's what we're going to need. And find that when it gets to underwriting, the underwriter looked at it differently and wants some more backup for what is going on with the income and expense trends. But as far as actual change in the risk model, any kind of major change, we haven't heard that there's any major change along that line. I could jump in real quick if you want, Dave, yeah, I had sure. put on that. There was definitely some bump.
buzz on the site last week based on the potential for the capital framework. And there was speculation that was going to lead to yet more increased fees, such as the recent adverse market fee. Haven't seen anything official or anything confirmed that I don't necessarily think there's any reason to panic. But nonetheless, people are worried about that with everything that is up in the air with respect to Mnuchin signing off on Calabria's plan to try to take the GSEs private before Biden gets in office, if Biden gets in office. But anyway, that's really the big to do is that whole privatization thing. And will there be more fees to come as a result? Yep. That's a great point. Yeah, that it was more on that side of it as opposed to underwriting. My brain went to underwriting. Yep. I picked it up off of MBS Live and that's why I was asking. Alice, thank you so much for being here and always bringing us meaningful, important perspective. You are loved by our audience, Alice. Thank you. Alan Pollock has also dialed in to join us with this week's weekly tech update. Alan? Lickin. What's happening? How could we start today without some turkey facts? I think we did this last year as well. There were 100,000 questions asked by the Butterball Turkey Hotline in 2019. Of course, we don't have the 2020 stats yet. And Dave, my question for you is, what do you think America's favorite Thanksgiving dish was? And we're talking about data and analytics here. That's why it's relevant, by the way. Turkey, <laughs> stuffing, pumpkin pie, mashed potatoes, oh. sweet potatoes, or cranberry sauce. Where do you, where do you think we landed? 100,000 people. Pumpkin pie. We always go for the desserts. All right. Pumpkin pie ranked number three. The order is actually what I gave. It's turkey, 39%, 23% stuffing, 12% pumpkin pie, 9% mashed potatoes, 6% sweet potatoes, 3% cranberry sauce. But That's- anyways, there were $552 million estimated that was spent uh, on turkeys last year. So let's move wow. on to mortgage news. Lots of cool stuff going on. If you remember... We said this week, we're going to talk about how to deal with tech people, HTDWTP. Uh-huh. We should get a hat made, David, with a little LOL insignia on it with the yeah. HTDWTP, because this is a big one. Let's talk about a couple things in the news, and then we're going to get into how to deal with tech people. One of our favorite technology solutions out there, Mortgage Coach. And as we know, they have the total cost analysis. They just increased their platform to have the ArchMI integration, yeah. which is really interesting, because as you look to create that total cost analysis, they will then obviously have that information, which is much better. And they've got a big community as well. People love to collaborate. And we'll talk about that when we talk about some of the tech people. Uh, Blend, I love this part of the news. Blend has expanded. As we know, they've been getting into banking, right? They had point of sale technology. They just launched, obviously, the white labeling of their system, which is important for financial institutions. But now they've got personal loans, credit cards, and vehicle loans. This is where we are going. If you're a financial institution listening to this podcast, you have already thought about or you're trying to figure out how to work with the behemoth of your core banking platform and how to implement the very high technology agile solutions into your technology stack. Blend's not the only one, but in today's news, they are. And I got to put my hat off to them. This is a great news. One experience, all focused on the borrower, focused on getting the right data, focused on the data moving through the transition process. Great news event for Blend. You want to check it out. David, if you have any friends that want to know what's going on with tech solutions, right, at least ones that have joined the Innovative Digital Mortgage Technology Solutions Demo Day. It's a housing wire event. It's on December 14th. 
It's a half-day format. It's digital. You can join whenever you want. I suggest going because it's that last shot that different companies have this year to sort of give off what the demos are and what they're doing prior to everything kicking off next year that people know plans are being made. So it's digital on demand. You go when you want. But check it out. There's going to be some great folks in there. Now, getting high tech. Florida Capital Bank has partnered with a company that just raised $125,000 in their first day of seed round funding. And you heard me right, seed round funding. It's a fintech provider. It's called B Mortgage App. And get this, they say that they've got the only mobile app completely originated by the borrower. The database is aligned for the borrower. It's going to be in blockchain, not just the store data, but the validate and verify data. They just launched version one of this app for Florida Capital Bank. It's connected to Optimal Blue, so it takes a bunch of data, returns a price, and the goal is within the next 12 months, they want a three-minute fully automated mortgage completely driven by the borrower without the loan officer. Well, you can't get rid of the LO. You guys always talk about that. I agree. I'm just telling you what they said. So check it out. It is Florida Capital Bank partner with B Mortgage App. All right, let's get into the fun stuff. So how do I deal with tech people? I found a great article on Forbes. It's two parts. Part of it is without the Forbes article. We can post it for anyone that wants to visit. We have to remember that skills have a shelf life. You can't bring in folks and just expect them to learn everything. They've got to be able to update their careers and update their knowledge. And so do you. You have to realize that the technology empowering to make our software development teams and our technical staff superheroes, we've got to allow them to expand their knowledge. And communication is the biggest piece. Data is king. Understanding data and working with your tech team, giving them data, sharing data, getting access to data. These are things that keep technology people really happy. But what's most important for tech people? They don't just want a programming job. They want to join a mission. So if you can lead in the management style with a mission, Mm -hmm. you have the ability to gain the acceptance and the adoption into your organization. Culture that you create with that mission so critical. There are three core areas that are important when thinking about culture. And we've all heard about this, right? Cultivating community. Programmers and technology staff, they want to be part of the rest of the company. They don't want to hear that everyone's going to conferences and everyone's seeing these tech solutions and they never see anything. The culture should be inclusive and we need to be able to celebrate their individuality. Oftentimes people think the programmers are locked in the closet or the technical staff and technical project managers, their job is just to dot I's and cross T's. That's not the case. We need to celebrate their successes with the whole organization, but we also need to embrace possibility. Technology people want to go off the deep end sometimes. You've heard people, they have one day innovation days. They've got come up with the best one and implementing in a test site. Let's see what it will look like. Those are the kinds of things that technology staff wants to do. Let them know they're part of that bigger picture. And then I've just got two last things, David. Show them what you're working on as an organization. Include them in the vision. We talked about that a moment ago, but that's what they're interested in. They want to know there's more than just their head down in the code all day or verifying that people are doing their work and they feel like they're just checking off boxes. They want to be part of that vision, that grand plan and what's coming tomorrow. And they want to know where their growth is. Programmers don't want to just be programmers forever. They're quirky. They're unique. Demonstrate a cultural alignment. I can't give you what all those cultural things are today. It's all kinds of things. It's pool tables. It's movie night. It's letting them become part of podcasts. It's all kinds of things. So anyways, hopefully that was some good information for you. Next week, we're going to talk about where's blockchain gone? What have we really done in 2020? And where are we really going in 2021? We've heard about blockchain. 
that's really important. And your technical staff, right, your technology folks, make them happy, get that culture, let them understand what's going on with blockchain. So you're going to want them to listen next week. I'm really interested in the blockchain segment next week. I'll be really fascinated, especially when you listen to Brent Chandler at FormFree, how they're using it is going to be fascinating. So that was used actually in our last election and has picked up some of the fraud that's going on out there that's been reported. Very interesting stuff. Alan, good job. Appreciate you being here each and every week. Thank you, David. Want to get a hold of Alan? Write him at Alan, A L E N, at TMS advisors.com. Appreciate him being a part of the podcast and a part of our advisory team, as well as one of the key executives there at Open Close. A busy guy. Folks, that wraps up this week's weekly mortgage update. Thank you so much for being here this week. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, Finastra, as well as the Community Mortgage Lenders Association of America, Indicom, Accelerate, Ainsworth Advisors, Mobility RE, Modex, and a whole bunch of other sponsors. Again, thanks so much for listening. Have a great week, everybody. Happy post-Thanksgiving and time to get ready for Christmas. Talk to you soon. Have a great week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.